Hey guys, it's Liz Kelly. We have a new podcast launching this week exclusively on Spotify with Chris Ryan and Chuck Klosterman called Music Exists. Here's the trailer. Hello, this is Chris Ryan. I'm an editor at TheRinger.com. Hello, this is Chuck Klosterman. I'm a friend of Chris Ryan and The Ringer. And this is Music Exists, a podcast where we talk about how we think about music. Yeah, this is not a podcast where we tell you what music to listen to or we necessarily comment on what's happening in the culture right now or what you should be listening to tomorrow before your friends do. This is a podcast about thinking about music even when it's not playing. Yeah, how does music shape the world you see around you, the world you feel around you? How does it make you feel about yourself? Yeah, particularly if the music that makes you feel things about yourself is Steely Dan or Black Sabbath. Or Radiohead. Yeah, that happens. That comes up a lot. Music Exists, a podcast about Radiohead. (laughs) (laughs) Available exclusively on Spotify. What's going on, jabronis? It's Pitch Mr. Perfect, Skylar Aston. Hey, this is Bruce Pritchard. This is Russ Battle Season 1 champion, Mike Lawrence. Husky, Steve Kazee. This is Trey Kirby. This is your girl, WWE Superstar, the legit boss, Sasha Banks. Hey, this is WWE Superstar, Braun Strowman. My name's Kevin Owens. I'm Shinsuke Nakamura. I'm AJ Styles, the phenomenal one, if you will, and you're listening to them. And you're listening you're to You're listening to and You are listening to You're listening to The Masked Man Show. 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 Welcome to the Masked Man Show. I'm your host, David Shoemaker, joined in studio today by the one and only, the, uh, we gotta give you a new nickname, the king of all podcasts. I'm back, baby. Andrew Goldstein. How you doing, man? I'm good. I'm I'm rusty. I haven't uh, talked wrestling in almost eight eight months, nine months. Not on a microphone. Not on a microphone, and I couldn't, I had sort of a social media embargo. Yeah. Um, but I'm back. Do you want to tell everybody where you were? Because it's actually sure. kind of a good story. I'm happy to. Yeah. So I went, uh, I took a job as an executive, as a podcast executive, that, that, that's actually a job. <laughs> I was a podcast executive for a company called Endeavor and we launched WWE's first ever official podcast slate. And so, uh, I got to co-develop the entire slate with, uh, with, a buddy of mine who was at Endeavor and uh, shout out to Dave Easton. And um, we part of the East Coast, uh, uh, you know, JWO. But um, we we launched we like really worked hard on launching After the Bell, which was our first one with Corey Graves. And then the uh, field, New Day Field of Power, which was just amazing to work with those dudes. They're so much fun. And there's a bunch of new stuff coming down the pike that we worked on that uh, is in other people's hands now. But uh, it was a lot of fun. I mean, for me, having been there 12 years ago on Creative and to, all these years later to come back, to go to, back to the company, still see some familiar faces, mm-hmm. work with, work with um, you know, their head of production, Brian Terwilliger, who was like, running cable for the backstage crews back 12 years ago. It was just a really cool um, full circle moment. And then obviously to get to work with Corey Graves and the new day and, and uh, all the guests that came through was really, really fun. And the podcasts are good. Who do you hate the most of all the talent that you, I'm just kidding. Um, (laughs) The podcasts are good. The podcasts are good. I mean, I think a lot of people that listen to this probably listen to those or at least some of them. Um, uh, You know, I guess, at this point, uh, this is my, uh, I have a, you know, a number of podcasts that I do. So I guess I know I have some experience in it, but it is still sort of, it's like hocus pocus, right? I mean, no one really fully understands the podcast. No, it's world. the wild west. But uh, I would, I mean, if you haven't listened, I mean, I don't want to promote other podcasts on this podcast, but I will say episode three of the new day, I felt like was the high spot. Who was on that one? That was just them. And they, they read off the actual list of gimmick names, oh, yeah. of, of team right. names that creative. I mean, I'm selling out my my former creative alumni here, but 
it's so funny for, to listen to them react all these years later to the actual shoot list uh -huh. of names that were pitched to them from WWE Creative for their for their threesome. Um, it's really, really a recommended listen. It was so much fun. It's such a weird process, and I think that's what everybody. I mean, I, I understand why people are so interested in that part of the game. It's. I mean, I think the. the I feel like in some, a lot of the time we are as wrestling fans sort of burdened by. I mean, it's like you can spend all of your brain space fantasy booking or like second guessing creative. Yeah. Instead of just like focusing on enjoying the thing. Um, but let's, you know, let's break it down. So when you're when you're launching a podcast with someone like Corey Graves or someone like the, there's some some amazing talents like the New Day. What's the is there a is there like a, a I don't know, is the, are you giving them advice? Well, the cool thing was is that WWE is such a partner is a partner in that is a partner like no other in terms of like the WWE is not in the business of failing and they're also not in the business of like just winging it. Mm -hmm. And so there was no, there was like full on like meetings about how, what is the format going to be? And especially with the new day, what's the lack, how is the lack of format? Right. Can these guys handle the lack of format and where are we going to go with this podcast? And they really did a lot of the um, the heavy lifting in terms of the, the, the new day did the day. Yeah. And, and WWE. But in terms of like us, like, I mean, honestly, with after the belt, finding the right host, who was the host that could like talk critically about the product, but also sort of get away, you know, like get Do away you have with come, when you're having these meetings with WWE. Is there a, is there a point in the conversation where you're like, if Corey really does just run his mouth off, is it going to be a problem? Yeah. Uh, again, there's people on the WWE side who kind of like fight those, not fight those battles, but like tackle those uh -huh. uh, battles for you. But there were certainly, uh, I think, episode seven of After the Bell, the first 20 minutes, uh -huh. the first seven minutes is Corey Graves going in on Raw. Like he was just not, he hated yeah. it. And he went really hard. And, you know, he got a phone call. Oh, he did? Yeah. So, but and you, but he had to know that was coming. Yeah, but I, but again, we there was a lot of education of like us explaining like, look, this is gonna ruffle some feathers. Things are gonna be said that may might not really want to be revealed all the you know all the way up the corporate ladder. But like, you just have to let that happen. This is what podcasting is. People want to want want to feel like they're sitting at the bar with the new day. They want to feel like Corey Graves is shooting straight with them. Cause the thing we didn't want to do, especially with after the bell was like, it's just cause we knew the note was from all the fans on Twitter was going to be, Oh, you're just a corporate shill. This is like the, right. this is like the shill podcast. Like you're just going to go into business for, you know, mm -hmm. putting over, all, putting over the product. And to his credit, he, he calls it like he sees it. Uh -huh. And he, you know, it's so unique. He's one of, six people who get to sit ringside i mean he always says it he has called he has called almost every match in w every big match in the last six years for wwe in some form or fashion wow he has been ringside or called every match every match for the last six years and so he has such a unique vantage point it was like fascinating listening to his perspective on certain you know on on certain storylines and so certain um things that took place in the ring. But he is the guy. The other interesting thing about Corey is that dude came up with the everybody on the roster. Right. Now because he, you know, I don't know how much people know, but like he was on the indies. He like paid his dues. Mm -hmm. He was like an indie darling and then was in NX, was in like pre NXT and NXT. Highly touted. Highly touted. He was sort of like the WWE's created version of CM Punk. Yeah. And then, you know, the savior of misbehavior. And then obviously, you know, the unfortunate uh, concussion, uh, residual concussion situation happened with him. And he transitioned into um, announcing, but he's friends with everybody. So when, when pe people are immediately disarmed when they, when they came on. And I, our model was to do the MMA show that, that um, Ariel Hawani. Oh, yeah, yeah, It was Ariel. basically do Ariel Hawani's show for WWE. Yeah. And he understood that reference. He got it immediately. And that was what we were trying to do was it's the only podcast where you're hearing directly from 
two or three of the the superstars in all of the big story, you know, the newsmakers of that week. Yeah. And that you're not getting that anywhere else. Like you're getting retired wrestlers, you're getting people adjacent to the business. Mm-hmm. But so that was our goal was how do we do that and not come off like corporate shill, like just a promotional arm. So you, you worked on that, you worked on the new day. You said there's some more in progress. So maybe this isn't a question you can really answer. But it was did you have a dream podcast? Do you have like one pitch that you were like, this is this is the million dollar idea? Uh, and and it didn't get done because of for whatever reason. Well, there are things in the pipeline that are still coming, hopefully. But there are doc ideas. Uh-huh. There are podcast long form doc ideas. Yeah. that um are awesome. Yeah. that people will be really jacked for. Yeah, but I can't. I, I probably shouldn't. I can't. I, you could probably guess what some of them are. You know what? Yeah, some of them are. But um, but uh, yeah, there are some really cool things coming in down the pipeline. What? What wrestler from our childhood? I think about this all the time. Should have had a podcast. Well, whenever I mean this, it's morbid, but I am talking to the masked man. Whenever a wrestler passes away, or I look back at like, I'm like, oh man, they would have been great. Uh, you know, like I look at what like Macho Man died right before the podcast boom. Like oh, somebody yeah. would have gotten Macho Man, right? Yeah. At this point, somebody would have gotten Macho on a podcast. On a, as a guest, as a guest, at least. But we have such we live in such an amazing time because we have all of these stories cataloged now forever. Whereas for the entire hundred plus years of the wrestling industry, none of these stories they were under lock and key. Mm-hmm. We had no access to them whatsoever, unless you personally knew Pat Patterson. You would maybe get those stories. <laughs> as one may, or um, or if you read their books. Yeah, right. Now we live it. Now it's like we have. On tape, celluloid, like all of Ric Flair's stories. Like before Harley Race died, he was on a couple podcasts. You know, like yeah, it's really wonderful that we have like it's all, true. So I always look at, I always it, try to quiz myself, like who out there is still alive, hasn't done the big interview yet. Like nobody's had Jimmy Hart on their show yet, and that dude, no, who's who's done like the definitive Jimmy Hart? Are episode? we sure that Jimmy Hart's not just recording a podcast every Probably week and it's into not... his megaphone? Yeah. But like that dude worked with everybody. He did. He did. So like, I always try to think like who's still alive that hasn't talked that I would love to hear from. That's why like if I look in my podcast queue and Austin has like a has like Dr. D David Schultz, I'm like, yeah. I'll listen to that because I haven't heard him on any podcast. Yeah, but, no. But if I see another interview with, you know. Uh, yeah, we're, Dr. D is a good one because we're actually like. We've actually gotten to the point now where people are popping up for interviews who I clearly remember like trying to track down at some point in yeah. the past decade and I couldn't find them. Not yeah. for a podcast, just exactly. like, just like, I wonder what David, what Dr. D's up to these days. Is he like a bouncer? Yeah. He's like, a, he a, he's yeah. like a roofer. Yeah. So, uh, that, that, that's how I look at it. Like on all these podcasts, if somebody gets somebody that hasn't talked yet, I'm in. How cool would it have been though if podcasts existed when we were kids and you could have had just like mean Gene like drinking bourbon in the bar at the end of the night and recording his conversation? Amazing. Or like uh, you know, like the definitive Tom Zank interview. I love I love the Z Man. I love the Z Man. He's one of those guys that kind of went back and forth between the companies more than you realize, you know? Like he was yeah, he was in the he was in the Can-Am connection, yeah. then he was in Strike Force. I loved the Can-Am connection. Loved the Can-Am connection. I was upset when they when it randomly turned into this when into Strike Force. And Strike Force won the titles from with the Heart Foundation and they tried on Saturday to make, morning. It was the only time they tried to make Tito Santana cool. Yeah. Well, now he's cool because he's a teacher in New he's, Jersey and teachers are cool. Edu- learning is cool. The, the downside of all of this is sometimes you get the guy who hasn't done the big definitive interview and it's it's just, there's a reason, <laughs> sadly. But uh, most of these dudes are, um, no, you, you get one or two really good stories out of pretty much anybody. That, someone should just have like the, should just do a wrestling interview podcast and in, in every episode, you just say like, you know, I, 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 I hate to bring this up, but I have tape of you using the N-word and watch every wrestler right. throughout history just be like, God damn it. Where'd you get that? The Or the supercut of yeah. all, wrestlers <laughs> just using uh, out of date derogatory terms. Oh, oh man, that's that's too much. Well, anyway, I'm glad to have you back. Yeah, I'm back. I'm back in the game. And uh, 
I, you know, it was, it was, I was saying before we started recording, it was tough because I started my job at Endeavor doing the podcast thing right when the AEW thing sort of started. And I had to kind of, I couldn't, I didn't have anywhere to deposit my feelings. I think I tweeted a couple times after the premiere, like some real, like just notes because I had nowhere to put them. Mm-hmm. And then I kind of had to go radio silent. Um, and I certainly have opinions about AEW as, yeah. the, as the JWO. Would you attest. say that that's your biggest, if, if you, if you had, if you could only say one thing, if you wanted the world to know the one thing that's most surprising, the, of your biggest take since you've been on Radio Silence, what would it be? I just think they need somebody to camera block for them. We would explain that for everybody who doesn't so, know, including me. S- camera blocking, and t- it, it's basically what a stage manager does, and it's what Vince McMahon does really well. It's, okay, if this major thing is going to happen in the ring, uh-huh. let's make sure we're facing the camera. I, you can go back in all of the episodes of Dynamite. They have missed so many big moments, or like moments have been drawn out because they don't have somebody sort of editing them. Yeah, where like or like something amazing will happen and it's in the box and box. And I just think, like I've witnessed Vince McMahon stand ringside and sort and like physically move these guys into how this. Like how many times have we watched a WWE pay-per-view and there's one of those like really blocked camera moments where like somebody's like somebody's staring at the camera and then somebody behind them stands up. Oh yeah. You know, one of those like, it's like the, the, the gif waiting to happen. Yeah, exactly. They build that stuff. They purposely block that out ahead of time to get the, like, um, you know, I think there was one in the Royal rumble, but AEW's not there yet. They're clearly, uh, not like, the perfect example is the the uh, Moxley turn, right? Where yeah, with, with the champagne ceremony uh-huh. that went on for what felt like fifteen minutes mm-hmm. before Moxley find like they at one point Jericho was like, "Why aren't you? Why are you guys not making? Why are you guys not cheering this?" Like they were just like swigging from champagne bottles and milling around the ring, yeah, was, waiting for something to happen, waiting for something to happen, and Jericho was talking and talking and like just going on and on. And Moxley was stretching it out. And I get it. They were stretching it out for effect. But it was like, get to it already. Yeah. Everybody saw it coming. Anyway, I it just feels like bad WCW to me sometimes. Yeah, there are some moments like, of that. I get like they don't want to be like WWE. I totally understand that. I listened to Cody on uh, with Rosenberg and like talk about how, you know, they those are just WWE rules. Those aren't wrestling rules. Mm-hmm. But some of them apply. If you're going to do something impactful for your storyline, do yeah. it to the hard camera. Yeah. So many big moments have been missed or like not shot perfectly for full effect on AEW. So that drives me crazy. Well, it's, as a it's kind of person. interesting. Yeah. And it's, 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 it's sort of weird too because so much of what they do or so much of their success is born out of being the elite and all this like stuff. I mean, just stuff that's like straight up like film you know yeah. i mean this is like this is all i mean obviously it's not it's not all like thoroughly staged and blocked but it's not like they have no concept of what like playing to the camera means they know that's that's what I'm, they just need somebody there like quality control quality and then on the quality control side also storyline wise and i mean a million people have made this point but like to have three recruitment storylines simultaneously running some you know come on we had this we're talking about westworld uh, but, but before the show started, I was having a big meeting about Westworld. Some people listening to the show may or may not know that, la- that last season I hosted a Westworld podcast, and I guess we'll be doing it again. But my biggest critique of last season, and I'm all the way in on Westworld, I know it's nuts, and I know it's silly and dumb at times and whatever. Sort of like my professional wrestling fandom. Yeah. My biggest critique was there is this sort of like unreliability of the author a little bit, where it's like it wasn't just that there's mysteries, because the mysteries are cool. It wasn't just that there's like, questions left unanswered like you know storylines that drag from week to week it's that you honestly didn't know if the per- it was the, it, you honestly didn't know if what you were receiving was what the showrunners intended you to receive right does that make sense yeah. like you the unreliability of the uh, it's not the narrator it's a storyteller it's like the it's the fact that like they might be doing this kind of wrong and i don't know for sure 
I mean, if I knew for it with confidence, if this were season 10 of a well-oiled machine, yeah. I, I would perceive it different than season two when season one was torn up and they're just like, we got to start over and figure out how to tell the story. And that's how I feel a little bit watching AEW sometimes where it's like, for better or worse, they might be doing, they're doing a lot of things better than WWE, but sometimes something happens and I'm just, and with the three recruitment storylines, I'm just like, am I supposed to, am I supposed to be drawing connections between these? I honestly don't know. Yeah. I just don't know what's going on. And there's no on. trust yet because it's only been on for however many That's months. It's about trust. And so like, I don't, tr I don't know. Again, is there a connection? Is there not? Are they just, is this just like a, an, an anomaly? Yeah. Or like, are, are they just missing the, the point? And then another, another example is, uh, I think this was before Dynamite started. I think it was that pay-per-view right before Dynamite. But, the whole like Arn Tully interaction, and then they just walked away from the match, yeah, and walked up the same ramp into the in, into like, as opposed to like jaw jack, like they they missed that huge moment, mm -hmm. and then they never addressed it again. And now Arn comes out and he's wearing like an AEW vest, yeah, and they're and he's kind of like, I don't know, it, it's just a little too haphazard. But I will give them a huge compliment that ten lashes segment. I put it over on Twitter. It was one of my first tweets back back in the game. Literally one of the best wrestling it's pieces so of business I've ever seen. It was so and I've, good. I've been watching wrestling since '86, so like that was incredible. When they do, you say piece of business. I like I like that usage right there. When they get when when they hit it, when they and it, Cody Rhodes is often involved, but when yeah. they hit that tone exactly right and they get a segment, I mean, when they get it right, they get it really, really right. I mean, and it transports you. It the, makes the best stuff that they do makes you mad that WWE can't do anything that yeah. good. It makes you mad, but it also makes you mad that AEW is not consistently that good. I mean, I know that nothing can reach that level all the time, but it's when they get it right, they get it so right that you're just like, I just like get up and pace I, around the room. I wish they would double down on more emotional things like uh -huh. that and less comedy, ironic, um, you know, uh, yeah, the um don't shit talk orange cassidy you were gonna no 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 the the like young bucksy type sense of humory things yeah and go more into the like personal issue like real hardcore like that that was like i felt that yeah all the different ways that he used the belt on cody and then all the different people coming down to like be there for cody and uh -huh. get him through it without music and entrance yeah that was the that was like the little nuancey thing Going back to what Cody said, those are those are just WWE rules. Mm -hmm. Those aren't wrestling rules. How much did it add that Dustin came down with no music? And then the Bucks came down with no music. Yeah. And then Brandy came down with no music. Uh -huh. And Brandy broke character. Like that's all the stuff that like pulls you in and and it's like that's what you start doubting. Like, wait, I know he's getting hit for real because I see the the welts forming on his back. So that part's real. And these guys really seem like they hate each other. He's letting this man, you know, whip him. Here's his wife who is playing a character where she's like starting a, a you know, a demented, you know, faction. Is this the first character break in AEW? I feel like, I feel like that was their way to get her out of that storyline and bring her back. I don't know why they ever broke them up together. That whole package was amazing. Cody, and Brandy and the dog was amazing. Yeah. And then you have Cody and then you have Dustin, the brother, and you have DDP, who's like the mentor. I don't know why, why they broke that up to begin with. But anyway, back to that segment. I thought it was pitch perfect. They knit like everything meant something. And if you compare it to the Jericho Moxley situation, not everything meant something. Mm -hmm. Like the keys to the car, like not all of that, like, it just didn't all work. Yeah. I'm going to I'm gonna give you a car. And then, ha ha, you're going to take the car before you actually turn me down. And we never see him with the... And it's like, I don't know. Why are you giving him a car? Is that like... It just... None of that worked for me. And then one last thing, pet peeve. The inner circle does zero for me. First of all, it's five guys who don't look like they'd ever hang out with each other in real in real life, which is... That's, that's like, like maybe the second thing you have to think about when building a faction. These guys mm -hmm. have to look like they enjoy hanging out with each other. Yeah. But it's two dudes from the Bronx, a rock, a, a, an aging rock star, mm -hmm. a, a, like a MAGA soldier. Yeah. And 
a like high school swimmer. <laughs> right? Like none of them, oh, they're no. like such disparate parts. And you could say that about like Dangerous Alliance back in the day. They were completely disparate parts. But like for weirdly, they fit together. They were all just like, it was. It's pretty easy to look at the Dangerous Alliance and say, like, maybe maybe it's hindsight. Like why but was it's, no, Rick, no, it's, it's pretty easy to look at them and be like, uh, I can imagine that they like to share a beer together. At the yeah, end of the night. and they were like lunch pail wrestlers. Yeah. Um, what what is Austin called? Mechanics. Yeah. They were all mechanics, right? Mm-hmm. Like, there. This is like a, and if you're going to build that faction, have Jericho when announcing these are my guys say something like. I went to the Bronx and I looked for the biggest, baddest dudes. And here are, you know. Yeah. But he never said any of that. He just like introduced these guys. And we don't know why why uh, Hager stands there in khakis and a polo shirt. He doesn't say anything. We I will don't... say this goes to your quality control point. Is it, I definitely find myself watching AEW. Arn Anderson's vest is a, is a, is maybe the p- most perfect distillation. It's Arn Anderson's vest and Jake Hager's polo shirts where I don't know if these if this is gimmick or if this is like just what the guy showed up in. Like yeah. you like I am I e- think they're going with the vest because he's the coach. No, no, no. I I get that, but it looks like AEW swag and Arn Anderson seems like the kind of guy who would like only, would wear that. only wear swag. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like they probably had to make him take off a, a, a WWE T-shirt before, like as he like before he came on camera, right? Or a WWE polo underneath the vest. Like he's just a guy that wears swag. You can tell. Yeah, but and you know you look back to like old JCP wrestling and dudes run out in like t- regular T-shirts, regular jeans, and uh-huh. I appreciate that. But like nobody looks good. That like that team Private Party is the worst gear I've ever seen. They're so bad. Everything it looks like they went in like a high school drama drama like a prop closet and they have like a fur collar and like pink and they have um, tassels and like one's wearing pants the others this wearing is my, like this is my jack- this is my like, hit job on Marty Scroll where it's like he looks like somebody who went to his grandma's attic to play dress up he has like five gimmicks going on at the same yeah, time so now it, he looks better he does better it's now. just those like little ticky tack things that like if you like tightened all of them up yes. All of the good stuff of of AEW would shine more, mm-hmm. but I get bogged down in like Joey Janela looks like crap. Yeah, and the Dark Order looks like crap. Well, let's talk about something that you really love. Well, I did look. I put them over. I said I love that. I love the lashes segment. So they they are pulling me in. I still watch. Shout out to AEW. You're doing great work. You just have some rough edges. By the way. The one last thing about it, uh, ragging on AEW, because you mentioned Private Party. I know that people give shit to Vince all the time for like not wanting two people to have the same name, but it's bonkers that there's two people named Cassidy on AEW. There's like the, the Isaiah yeah. Cassidy and Orange Cassidy are on the same show. Like if I was that would never happen. If I was eight years old, I would be like utterly preoccupied by wondering how these two guys, even though they're spelled differently, I would have never known that. How these two guys ended up with the same last name. That's what like yeah. confuses kids. Well, that's why Steven Regal became William Regal because they had Steve Austin. Like yeah. Vin, the, the as crazy and maniacal as Vince is, he's on top of all of those weird little tech. Now look, now he'll drop people's first names. It's in, also in, just as infuriating. Wait, what are you, what are, oh yeah, Mur- Buddy Murphy Buddy lost Murphy his name. Murphy lost his name. But why? There's a long history of amazing buddies and but heel buddies. Yeah. Because I was trying to like think. Why? What's the purpose? Like, what about Buddy Murphy was make was a was like not? You think it was the buddies too? Like, it's buddies like a kiddie, too it's friendly a kid thing? Yeah. for this like badass foursome. You think that's the logic? I, I'm trying to think. Like, right. I'm trying to think. Like, what is what's why? And but there's a long lineage of like Buddy Roberts, Buddy Landell, Buddy Landell, Buddy Buddy, Buddy Rogers, Buddy Rogers. Yeah. So I don't I don't get it. Um. Like Murphy is such a if he had a cool last name, like Murphy is just a standard I you know like Irishy last name. I also don't understand whatever I could keep going on, but like you have the AOP who are like a a tried and true tag team in the in the faction. Why not put the titles on them? Why put well? The, why okay. put the titles on I'm Rollins okay with and that. Murphy? I think I think the short answer is they want Seth Rollins to be carrying a title, especially when he goes to Saudi Arabia. Okay, uh, I get that. They want, you know, you put the titles in the biggest names possible. 
Also, I mean, it sets up the potential for AOP down the road, but also, but I don't think AOP are really wrestlers right now. They're just enforcers. Obviously, they are wrestling, yeah. but like, we don't need to focus on their ring acumen. That that part I think is okay, and also it gets Buddy Murphy a title, which makes him look good. I'm sorry, Murphy, Murphy. a title. What is Vince McMahon was 100 percent Vince McMahon, like looked at the script for last week's Raw and was just like, he's Buddy, supposed to be a heel. Yeah, no, it's like he's Buddy, nobody. What if you're a wrestling Buddy? What? That's yeah. a toy. Um, so th- those, you know, it is what it is. But we can we can get into Raw and SmackDown and NXT. But um, yeah, you can tell I've had a lot of this pent up uh, yes. and nowhere to, de- we're gonna, we're to gonna, deposit it. I'm like, I cannot so wait. Thank you for this. Forum. I'm so glad all the AEW fans have left the podcast. Thanks for cha- scaring them away. I'm no, just um, this is what we do. This is what we do. This is why we watch so we can fetch. Okay. Uh, there's a I mean there's AEW there's a there is an NXT show this weekend Takeover Portland. Uh, before we get to that, let's just run through. I'm try, I mean we're recording this on a what is today Wednesday? Wednesday. My brain is broken. There's a, so all the so we got NXT and AEW. We're tonight. two newish dads. We we're not expected to have full brain capacity right now. My God. Um, the big news on from from Monday's Raw since that's the most recent thing that happened is that uh, Shayna Baszler bit Becky Lynch. Yeah. Real hard. So my, I actually like that. Game. My conspiracy theory on that is that Vince is preoccupied enough with the launch of the XFL that 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 kind of slipped through. You think that's you think that's a Paul Heymanism? I feel that that just read like hardcore Paul Heyman to me. Can, can I mention since you said that? Uh, I would fi- love for Fightful, this podcast to just become an XFL podcast, but Fightful, uh, which is a a good wrestling website reported, uh, I believe very recently, that Vince McMahon is becoming, quote, exceptionally private and frequently misses WWE events. It's very rare that he's there on SmackDown and he's at Raw about half the time, which is a big departure from the Vince McMahon we know and love. Well, I think that's part of the reason why he ceded some control to people like Paul Heyman and mm-hmm. Bruce Prichard and Bischoff for a minute. It seems like he has it, you know, you can read whatever you want to read into that, but I think they are are trying to get the company in good order to sell it. Wow, we're just going to go all over the place. That's here. the hardcore. That's the hardcore theory. I don't. I don't really like to discuss companies being sold on my podcast. <laughs> um, uh, it gets too problematic. But there was a separate story. Uh, let me try. Let me pull this out. All right, here we go. Um, there was a separate story that I cannot find now, but basically how basically saying that Amazon had purchased had had was working on a licensing deal with WWE. Well, from the corporate call, from the quarterly call, we found out that pay-per-views are coming off of the network. Yeah. And pay-per-views are going to show up on your streaming channels. Huh. So So well, you're gonna you're gonna there's gonna be a time when SummerSlam is going to be on Amazon Prime. So I or the Royal Rumble is going to be exclusive to Hulu. Mm, that's interesting. Well, Amazon is apparently working on some sort of licensing deal with them that puts them, according to the story, which I again cannot pull up, and I apologize, puts them basically in pole position to eventually buy the company. That's that that was the that was the speculation. Yeah. That you know, I mean, obviously, there's a lot of other companies that would be in the bidding if they if WWE was up for sale. Yeah. Um. But how, but a company like Amazon buying it would be kind of wild. Yeah, I mean, I, honestly, I can't wrap my head around what the implic. You know, like just start going down the road of what the implications of that are. Like the rumors back in the day when like maybe Disney was going to buy WWE, like all that kind of stuff. But it just these little these little things like Barrios and and uh, Wilson Wilson Lee getting sort of pushed out, and the you know sort of the like closing ranks mm-hmm. i mean it, it all kind of just fe- it just kind of feels wait is it like that's i don't know where, I, again i don't know how going. business i don't know how selling companies works but is it possible that they that he pushed them out to somehow like remove them from the financial windfall of selling the company i don't know about that but he keeps saying it was a strategic it was a difference of of long-term you know strategy a difference of opinion in in strategy for you know going forward but um, and who knows what Vince's strategy is, but I wouldn't bet against him. I mean, my big take about the XFL is that oh, here he, we go. He seemed like if you watched on Saturday and Sunday, I, I, yeah, I, I it seemed on, like uh, Saturday they they as like a 
as like a byproduct of Vince learned his lesson because mm-hmm. they fixed almost all of the mistakes from the first season. Right? Well, and that's a less that's a thing that WWE has not done well, which is learn lessons from the past. Well, so there, th- it's been like an, it's been interesting to watch because he clearly learned some lessons watching the documentary and putting it in like Oliver Luck's hands and like well that's it there was a lot of t- talk right before even before the season that every that he that he wasn't even doing that much for the XFL that it, he just let Oliver Luck do his right. do his job but regardless this is it's weird the X there's so much that, that it seems like the XFL is not just a success based on the previous iteration of the XFL he learned his lesson there but he sort of learned the lesson that everybody's been dying from to learn on the WWE side, that that you that you find someone who can do the job, you let them do their job. Yeah. You stay a little bit of hands off, but even down to the to the to the details, it's like this isn't the old XFL was showy. It was fireworks. It was cheerleaders. It was you know like cameras in the cheerleaders' locker room. Exactly, and Jerry this, Lawler and Jesse Ventura and Jim Ross and those dudes announcing yeah. the games and like and by the way, not just not just those guys because they weren't all there on week one. It was. They broke the glass in case of emergency and went full WWF like 15 minutes into week one. Also, they made Vince the face of the league. Yeah. That's that taking him out of the equation and, and, and getting and, them on ESPN. So you had mm-hmm. Steve Levy. You had That's like, great. and on Fox, you had Kurt Menefee. And it felt real. It felt legit. And then the rule changes. I mean, first of all, the kickoff rule should be immediately adopted by the WWF. 100%. I mean, by, by, NFL, by the NFL. Yeah. It's it, it makes perfect sense. Let the guy catch the ball and then let everybody start running. It takes out so much risk of injury. Also, one foot down is so much safer than having to have two feet down. Yep. And the getting rid of the extra point for the for the one, two, and the three point you know plays from from yards out. It added like a whole new intrigue to the game. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I was super into it. Oh, by the way, that Amazon report. I'm sorry, came from a tweet from Alan Cheapshot. If you don't, I'm sure a lot oh of you God. guys. Shout out to Alan Cheapshot, one of my favorite followers. One of the best follows on wrestling Twitter. It's A L L A N underscore Cheapshot. But he says, uh, and and he and that is, and he credits that to Needham analyst Laura Martin on CNBC. Um, so we're a couple of degrees away. But follow Alan Cheapshot, and uh, and and that and Laura and Laura Martin is the is the source for that Amazon WWE uh, uh, story. But you're right. I mean, but even the games themselves, back going back to the XFL, are like. It's like old school wrestling. It's like it's like NXT. It's like we're just gonna go or AEW at its best. We're just gonna go back to the. Yeah. We're just gonna we're just gonna give you wrestling, or we're gonna give you football. We're not gonna. It yeah, we're gonna, matter. Sp- we're gonna speed it up. Mm-hmm. We're gonna make the rules cool. But the rule changes are pretty insignificant in the grand scheme of things. The yeah. most the most important thing they did was just to make it feel normal. To make yeah. it feel like if you went into a coma in January. And you woke up yesterday thinking, or Saturday over the weekend, thinking that you were watching the continuation of professional football yeah. from January. You would not have. There would have been very little hiccup, except for the weird new team names and such. Yeah, I thought the product was viable. Mm-hmm. Of between the AAF, the first iteration of the XFL, this was clearly the best product. Mm-hmm. It what there wasn't a million fumbles and interceptions. There were mm-hmm. some. There was a uh, blocked kick for a touchdown. But for the most part, they were completing. You know, you can tell that they have figured out the football side of it because they're completing passes. Yeah, they're completing passes down the down the field. Now, sure, there isn't like expert pass rushing. There aren't guys getting to the quarterback because there aren't these dynamic pass rushers. Yeah, these quarterbacks have time, but they're completing passes. These aren't these aren't jabroni quarterbacks. That was also one of the genius things that they did, which was they really focused on assigning quarterbacks yeah. to the teams. They didn't leave it up to drafting. They they were like, here are six viable quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. Let's evenly disperse them throughout our league. Yeah. No, that was... That- Cardell Jones looked like he could compete in the NFL. Sure. Um, the XFL was I was good. super into it, as you can tell. No, no. The XFL was very good. Um, I'm very... Uh, I'm... It's hard for me to not look at it through the wrestling angle, but I, but it's, but even that way, I mean, like I said, it was reassuring from a wrestling point of view. If they can get to like three seasons through it and then like start making some money, I think this, I think it has a chance. Um, it's like Amy Klobuchar. <laughs> <laughs> oh, listen to the press box twice a week on the Ringer Podcast Network. The um, uh, the. So you we 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 went on this massive digression talking about Shayna Baszler biting Becky Lynch's neck. By the way, 
speaking of, uh, we can we can loop back around, but but Eric Bischoff came off the top rope this week to make sure everybody knew that Paul Heyman was not actually in charge of Raw, as if anybody was confused about who was calling, who was the final right. shot caller. Um, but I think he'd heard for for the millionth time that like Heyman's Raw was such a success and. LOL, Bischoff's already been fired. Right. And decided to make everybody make sure everybody knew that Vince McMahon was making all the decisions. But, I mean, it's impossible to watch Raw and not know that, not not see a striking difference from every other iteration of Raw. Absolutely. I mean, just the fact, like, we have a, we have a heel faction running strong in the main event. We have a heel faction running strong and not for, no, I mean, I've said this before, but not for nothing, Seth Rollins was their number one draft pick. Seth Rollins, I mean, the, the top two picks, I mean, I guess, yeah, the top two picks were Roman Reigns and Seth Rollins. These are the baby faces that are going to lead our brands. Like that yeah. was that that was implicitly what was being, I mean, what was being announced at that point. And he just turned Seth Rollins heel. He turned him heel. The whole, the Monday Night Messiah, like uh. that's borderline. Some people could not be down with using the term Messiah. Mm -hmm. And that, that feels Paul Heyman-y to me. Yeah. If you look back at like all the Raven stuff and Tommy Dreamer stuff, like miss just the idea of like this I'm the Messiah of this show. Yeah. Feels Paul Heyman y to me. A woman biting another woman on the back of the neck and drawing blood in the mouth. Yes. Feels very Paul Heyman y to me. I I totally agree. Giving some edge to to a guy like Drew McIntyre who has been like a ro robotic, you know, paper like um bullet pointed promo guy for over 10 years like giving him some edge letting that guy yes. talk and like be a sarcat like a cool baby face yes feels very paul Heymany to me like they took a they took a a guy like drew mcintyre and got him hot enough to where you feel like he can actually compete with brock that's what paul Heyman does paul plucks the guy the the people on the bottom of the roster and gives them a new varnish Buddy Murphy means something now. He does. Drew McIntyre means something now. That's what Paul Heyman did on SmackDown all, all those years ago. Yeah, it's true. So. It's true. SmackDown, for its part, is maybe paling in comparison is the right way to say it. I just think there's so many people to please on SmackDown that by the time they get to like what's going to please wrestling fans, it's like 12th down the list because they have to please Fox. They There's probably... 12 people at Fox that they have to please before uh -huh. they even get to what's going to work storyline wise. Yeah. They have to please sponsors, network sponsors. It's like a big deal. So, uh, but I, I, I think SmackDown's fine. I, don't, I haven't found it to be like, I see a lot of people complaining. I don't find it to be that like that, you know, um, sort of, I wish milk, we were. Milk I wish toast. we were gearing up towards WrestleMania right now, and not a Saudi Arabia pay per view that's yeah. going to be followed in short order by on the SmackDown side by Elimination Chamber. There was a leak uh, of what appears to be the lineup for the Elimination Chamber match this week. I won't spoil it for anybody, but suffice it to say that a lot of it's kind of what you would expect. Yeah. Um. And but but there's just a lot of moving pieces or non-moving pieces i guess in the smackdown side that we can't really just settle into like the feud that, the feuds that we all want to see right i mean raw has the huge advantage of just having drew mcintyre i mean even with even the brock lesnar doesn't show up half the time yeah we're working towards our wrestlemania main event right now right months we, in advance we have all this time to kind of get excited about drew and Brock. Yeah, and Paul Heyman's a good guy to make sure that happens. I will say one really good thing about SmackDown that I think I didn't say it, which is that the Miz and John Morrison's uh, trailer um, for Once Upon a Time on the Dirt Sheet was maybe the best piece of like meta content WWE has produced in a long time. Yeah. And as I'm, I watched the show, and then the sound, and then literally like immediately after I watched it, flipped over to HBO Now to like try to find something to watch. I think I ended up watching uh, I don't even know what I ended up watching something bad but I realized the WWE a bunch of the old, uh, WWE library is on HBO now is it yeah like the like the whatever the the Randy Orton is a policeman and Be Dean Ambrose when you when you when you go over Johnny, oh, the movies the movies oh, yeah, yeah sorry. I thought you meant like not matches no matches so that would events. be probably an interesting fit but no but like John Moxley is like one of the first faces sure, I see sure, when I go sure, to the sure. HBO now yeah and there is a certain I like I enjoy those movies in a very certain way. Some of them are much better than others, whatever. Um, 
I just feel, wouldn't WWE just be, be doing so much better in its films division if they just made Once Upon a Time on a dirt on the dirt sheet? Maybe not As straight up parodies, but like, let's let John Morrison and The Miz have a movie where they're just like self-referential and and like, yeah. and let them like, just let them do what they want to do. Them together with like a million dollar budget is going to be a much better movie than See No Evil 15. Right. Don't that, you think? Uh, yeah, they've been great. They've been really fun. And it just it's just like a fresh coat of paint for because we've seen all these teams and all these teams face each other. Mm-hmm. So to have Miz and Morrison back, Miz and Morrison versus the New Day, Miz and Morrison versus you know uh, Rude and Ziggler, and then like the like meta I thing of like Miz and Ziggler are best friends in real life. You know, like that's all fun. Yeah. It is. It is. It's funny when like the new tag team shows up on SmackDown or something where there's this land of tag teams and you and, just know the New Day is going to be. It's like the New Day is like the only single guy at the wedding. Yeah. And then like 15 minutes after it starts, the one single girl walks in and the guy's just like, all right, I guess that's my partner for the night. And but, the, like they're going to be together. They, you know, they're going to be locked up. The for genius months. thing about bringing Miz and Morrison back is now you have a team who can hang on the mic with the New Day. Yeah. Because you have the Usos who can do it, but we've seen Usos New Day mm-hmm. so many times, and they're and the Usos are baby faces now. So who's that heel tag team that can hang on the mic with the New Day or with the Usos? And it's Miz and Morrison. Yeah, I mean Morrison is still choppy, whatever. But like Miz is one of the strongest talkers, you know, in, in the great. entire wrestling business, and they can work their asses off. One thing about the Usos is, I mean, one positive thing about SmackDown is really nice to see the Usos, well, with Roman Reigns is great. Finally. But also, finding a good use for a tag team that's not just being muscle. There's like a storyline reason why they're there. Yeah. Like there's someone else, there's a team for them to fight, but whatever. It's like they get to do a thing that's not either chasing the SmackDown tag team titles or being on vacation. I just think the presentation of Roman and the Usos has, is, to me, so natural and so good. Yeah. I can't believe it's taken this long. All the money that's been sort of left on the table, mm-hmm. but like to just re- have them be family and have each other's backs, it's been great. Yeah. And then Ziggler and Rude and Corbin can all bump their, you know, mm-hmm. can all bump their butts off for those guys. I think that's been like the strength of SmackDown. Like, say what you will about the dog food angle, but it's been fun. It has been. Corbin um, is like he has gone from like. What a jabroni to this guy is a serious, like he gets it as a heel. Corbin? Yeah. He's getting the good kind of heat. Well, you're walking into the Corbin appreciation zone right here. Yeah. I mean, I think. Crushing it. Had, he's he's so had what probably good. top three best year of anybody in wrestling right now. He's so good. He's incredible. I think he's, I mean, I think he's in a weird spot to kind of become, he, he's like an old school He's like a, a, just a wonderful old school talent coming and he's sort of coming into his prime at a time when we're sort of we're grading we're grading wrestlers in a different way. I mean, I've been on this podcast years ago ripping his tattoos, oh, ripping yeah. his gear, ripping his promos, ripping his work, and now it's like the the, the improvements that this guy's made in like mentally mm-hmm. to like get where that guy has gotten and get the reactions that he's getting Mm -hmm. the right way. He's fantastic. Yeah. And then the King gimmick was like the perfect thing for him because it's cheesy, but he's going to, he's going to believe in it and be, and take it, you know, full tilt to be like, I'm royalty. Oh man. We had him on, um, after the bell and we, we Skyped with him and he was in his house on his day off. And at the end of the podcast, Corey's like, so what, uh, so what are you doing the rest of the day? He's like, you know, King things. (laughs) <laughs> royal t- things royal royal type things and we're just like this guy believe he, he lives the gimmick he wore the crown to like the premiere of the xfl yeah he's great yeah he is he's really good um he's arguably been the mvp of smackdown i think that's fair to say um shout out to the real mvp who returned this week so happy to see him. ball in love um, that guy there's an old mvp that's going to be back on smackdown soon and that's uh, none other than John Cena. Yeah. Now, do you think we it's Cena Bray at WrestleMania? No. I think Bray will be wrestling a uh, current talent. I think it's more likely that do you we think see it's Bray Roman at yeah, WrestleMania. I think it's Bray Roman. Well, that's the one match we haven't gotten yet. Yeah, I mean, I think that the, the ending of it is really it's tough. I mean, I think you have to go through with it. I think that it's it's the story that you have to tell, and I think you're going to be 
in a good in a good creative atmosphere, you'd be arguing over the ending to the match up until the day of the show. Right. Now, but 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 I think that but I but I do think it's a good story, and I think it'll be really fun to hear to to watch them. I mean, also in a good creative environment, you'd also have like an end to the story, and maybe it would be WrestleMania day. So hypothetically, Roman conquers the fiend. You know, WrestleMania goes off the air with Roman Reigns on the turnbuckle, arm raised with the title. Are people cheering? Has Bray gotten to a point where it means enough for Roman to beat him? for it to win over the Roman sucks people. Um, for Roman to have his yes, 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 Daniel Bryan WrestleMania moment or his Kofi Kingston moment. That's an interesting question. Roman Reigns was on TV this week saying that he wanted to fight The Rock next year in Hollywood. Well, yeah. The Hollywood WrestleMania is going to bring out everybody. I wonder if WWE would go so far as to have The Rock come out and like rock bottom him to close the show and then just to be continued one year from now. Right, how they've done the Triple H yeah. type stories. The and, and the Roxana story. Yeah, 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 I mean, yeah, that, yeah. I mean I, that would be interesting. Well, that would be kind of revisionist history on the Philadelphia, you know, Roman, Roman Reigns mm-hmm. gets booed out of the building and everybody said in the moment, they should have called an audible and he should have rock bottomed. He yes. should have. Well, that's what they should do. If they're going to do it, have the rock come out, celebrate with Roman Reigns for beating the fiend and then just rock bottom him. And then we'll see you back here at SummerSlam or something. Yeah, it'd be great. Um, I think you got to have a schmozzy finish if they go with, if they, even without the rock, you go with, you go with Bray Roman, then maybe you do, you, you got to do a gimmick where like Bray win. I mean, Roman wins, but then like, like like Roman beats the fiend, but then like Bray Wyatt comes out on the entrance ramp or something. You know, I mean, there's got to be just some like right. He beats the fiend, but then Bray in like the uh, in the Mister Rogers clothes. Yeah, and he has to wrestle a second match. Yeah, interesting. Um, but anyway, I think that there's. I mean, I, I'm excited about that. I think you, Cena is an interesting question too. I, I mean, I could see Cena versus King Corbin. That would be a really natural sort of fit. The promos would be fun. Yeah, and it would be it would be simple. I mean, you could also see Cena putting trying to put somebody over. Um, yeah, uh, the, you know, I mean, it could be Cena, Daniel Bryan. You know, another if we just want to have well, like look, a big time match. The wives are pregnant, so you can't do the mixed tag. It's true. If you wanted to go that route, but just the fact that they're brothers in law, or like they were potentially brothers in law, you know, if you like played that story out. There might be something there, but Daniel Bryan's a babyface right now. Cena's obviously coming back as a babyface. I don't know how you get there, but it'll be interesting to see what they do with Cena because we haven't seen him on TV in a while. He looks different. Yeah. There's a lot of ways you could go. I mean, Elias is obviously working babyface right now, but that would be an interesting one he's, just for that. He's There's, not there yet. I mean, what you could do Cena versus Goldberg if Goldberg's going to hang around. Well, Dream match? Who who amongst us has not dreamed about Cena versus Goldberg? Yeah, I guess. No, I want to see Big E because he's such a he's such a huge Goldberg fan. I misread the Goldberg return. Like I, I didn't watch SmackDown two weeks ago, whenever that was. Tried to figure out what was going on by like reading a SmackDown recap online right. as I was like you know in a cab somewhere. Yeah, and somehow got confused into thinking that at the at in Saudi Arabia it was going to be Big E versus Goldberg, and I was like, holy that shit, would be that's so much awesome. Fun. What a great use of... I mean, in my little bit of time, like actually hanging out with that dude, he loves Goldberg. Mm-hmm. And it's like a shoot. Uh, that would be cool. But I think... Well, they should have him feud, him feud with Matt Riddle then. Have the, yeah. Just about who like... like Just that we're having a revisionist. We're having... We're just like who... who we're People feeding over the opinions match, of Goldberg. Well, what would that match really be? Uh, Matt Riddle? Riddle and Goldberg. Oh, I think it's going to be Spear, Jackhammer, kick out, you know, mandible claw and where you go home in Saudi Arabia. I mean, like, yeah. I don't, I don't think those dudes are going 20 or 15. No, I think Goldberg's going to get his. And that's the in. thing with Goldberg's character. You can't do a lot of like, I'm pacing around the ring for five minutes before the show start, before the match starts. Right. And Bray has done this thing where he's collected legends, you know, in, mm-hmm. in the, in the, in the fun house. So, it it all works. We didn't talk. I'm about, not mad at the booking. Wait, wait. So we're talking about. We got to talk about NXT. But before we do, we you said we said legend. What, what you? I don't even know how you feel about Edge coming back. Love it. You're excited, loved right? It. Loved it. Do you like Randy loved, Orton destroying him? I look. I was there 12 years ago. Worked with Rated RKO. I have really funny stories of like. So there's a nostalgia thing for me with them. 
And I thought Edge looked cool. I know like some of the guys on the on the text chain thought Edge looked lame, like mm. a like a beach bum surfer dude. Not me, man. I say I, it's like old man Logan Edge. Like I, I think he's yeah, I thought he looked awesome. great. And this is like the perfect way to like get him to appear and wrestle like work, but then leave and come. You know, like this is how they do it. Road yeah. to WrestleMania with a returning legend. Like he doesn't need to be on the shows. And the way they've slow played Randy Orton's um uh um reason for doing it you know the first week he comes out and he just drops the mic second week he comes out i thought matt hardy cut the best promo of his, of his career mm -hmm. outside of broken matt hardy yeah but his best wwe promo by far i think was was on monday um it was emotional it called back history which is again another paul Heyman thing because i've been there and watched vince mcmahon say nobody gives a crap about what ha this like historical reference get this out of the script so I think like the fact that Matt Hardy literally went through the entire Edge, you know, bio and their history together to make that promo mean something. So it meant something when yep. Randy when Randy RKO'd him and concertoed him. It's been great. Now you could make the argument uh, Edge comes back, shouldn't he be putting over a youngster? I, I I think that the vendetta, the like jealousy kind of thing. With Edge and Orton being former partners, I think it's fantastic. I'm here for the match. I'm excited. I love that Edge is back, working like a 13 match, you know, yeah. thing. Obviously, like Edge versus AJ Styles. Edge, there's so many people I'd love to see him in the ring with. Yeah, I, I'm excited. But I'm he's another one where I cringe. It's like Daniel Bryan's first year back, where I'm like, ooh, still with Daniel Bryan sometimes. Yeah, every time. So, but uh, Edge is, you know, look, Edge's move set isn't the most. He can be. He doesn't have to be. He's not going to be in ladder matches, but he can spear and, you know, the spear is not hard on any part of his body. Yeah, not if he does it right. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited. I'm excited to have Edge back. It's just good to have that kind of guy around, you know? His promo was great. It's such a cool story. I'm, in, I, I'm into it. And um, I love Randy. I, I love Randy. I, I, you know, there's people that don't enjoy that think Randy's been super boring, but like nah. when, when, when he's a, when he's a bastard heel, mm -hmm. it's the best. And he's amazing in the ring. Yeah. And who's safer for Ed, for edge to work with on his big comeback match than Randy Orton. Like yeah. Randy's going to take, take care of him. Yeah. It'll be fun. It'll be a lot of fun. Um, we got to get out of here, but sure. we've been promising to talk about NXT takeover Portland. On February sixteenth, this Sunday, on the uh, on what, the internet, I, WWE Network. By the time Raw and, and I watch AEW, and then I try, I have to like D, I DVR NXT and go uh -huh. through it. So I'm not the most up to. I I know like Velveteen Dream came back. Well, it's interesting. Velveteen Dream did come back. It's interesting, especially I mean, that was with, cool with um uh Shayna Baszler's call up, I guess, to Raw. There was a cool thing with like Triple H where he was like, I consider Shayna Baszler an NXT asset. And they're like, so apparently there's going to be some sort of trade. He's going to insist upon a trade. Right. Um, so I, I was just talking last week about just like not about being, I'm interested in the mechanics of call ups now because they do have to call people up. If they were smart, they would do like NBA tread, try to get in on some of the excitement of the NBA tread dot. Deadline. Trade deadline. I know, like, but try they, to they build, refused to do it. They had a draft and they couldn't even get Obviously, the in. draft has been, it's a ball that's dropped every single year. But if they could get to a point where you care about the call-ups the way we care about, you know, NBA trade trade deadline or hot uh, MLB hot stove or, yeah. or uh, the opening of NFL Dude, free agency. If you, heard, if you heard that, I mean, if in real life they were just like, we are ready to send Shayna Baszler to Raw or SmackDown, I want to hear what kind of offers we're gonna get. Like that would be and and honest and and just yeah. have them actually make offers. Yeah. Like why not leak it to freaking Melter or whoever? Or like uh, Keith Lee just signed with, you know, Clutch. <laughs> and now you have you know like there's so yeah, many. Yeah, when MVP was the biggest free agent in sports entertainment, yeah. I wonder who was. I mean, that who, who story was his, line was when I was there. Who was it? Did he have? Did was, he have representation? Well, the, or I, is that what he's doing now with Drew McIntyre? Well, yeah, that it's like full circle because that was his his introductory storyline. So he is the was, clutch. Sports. He was the Ter Terrell Owens big, yeah. you know, arrogant free agent. But the whole that story was supposed to be Teddy Long as a heel. Can I? By the way, I'm sorry, I'm distracted. And he was going to become a heel Wait, GM. Teddy Long. That was the idea with 
MVP on the cell phone talking to his agent, negotiating. Wait, this is some backstage stuff. It was supposed, the, the story was supposed to be that Teddy Long, the GM of SmackDown, was who he was talking to. And he wasn't negotiating with Teddy Long. It was that Teddy was going to turn into a heel GM and be like this super agent with MVP. But it fell apart because Teddy can't take bumps. Right. So it got shot down. And then we were like, what is oh. the story with Teddy not taking bumps? This is one of the great mysteries of the wrestling internet. Every, it's always been one of those things. Well, you can't, Teddy can't work. Teddy can't take bumps. I think he's, I, I don't know. He probably, I think he took a bad bump or something, but huh. I, it's pure speculation. But I know that was the note. And then it was like, okay, back to the drawing board. Who's MVP's agent? And we never ended up doing anything with it. He just debuted. That's why. And there's the, also the story of his debut at the pay-per-view. He was supposed to go over Benoit. It was it was on the script, and then in the production meeting the day of the pay per view, all the agents said it was disrespectful to Benoit to lose lose that match, even though Chris had been working with MVP in developmental, yeah. getting that match right because he was on board to put MVP over to build this new star, and instead MVP beat a local on the pay per view for his debut match after months of lead up that this was the big free agent and he was going to have his first match at the pay per view. Wow. Yeah, sorry. That's that's twelve years. Wow. Twelve years in the making, uh, telling those stories. But um, shout out to MVP. I thought he did great. So anyway, he's hopefully he can be the new Rich Paul of WWE. It'd be amazing. And then he'll uh, run the Knicks. <laughs> Eventually, he'll get hired to run. Put MVP in NWA charge of the Knicks. power. Uh, the um, okay, so we got Rhea Ripley versus but well, this is it. Rhea Ripley versus Bianca Belair for the women's championship on N on the NXT show. I mean, this is just a placeholder until. Ripley versus Charlotte Flair at WrestleMania. Yeah. One, one presumes yeah, that, that that title's not changing. Um, Keith Lee versus uh, Dominic Dijakovic for the North American Championship. It really feels like Keith Lee is just going to be cruising here for a while. I can't. I mean, they, these two guys can have a great match with their eyes. Closed. Yeah, you know, like they've been partners. Uh huh. They're like um, adversaries, but partners. Like unlikely. You know, yeah. like like what you know, MVP and Mr. Kennedy back in the day, or like uh, KO and Sami Zayn. Yeah, I went a little older, but uh, yeah, I, I, Keith Lee obviously he's got a rocket attached to his back, mm -hmm. his his gigantic back, and I think he's we're gonna see him do something huge at WrestleMania. Dakota Kai versus T. Oh, that would be really cool. Maybe Keith Lee versus John Cena. That'd be cool. John Cena just like I'm gonna take on the best, even if they're not on this show all the time. Um, that would be fun. Dakota Kai versus, and by the way, Keith Lee definitely fits the 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 beef criteria for SmackDown. His body guy. Yeah, no, I mean, not just the body. It's like, you know, SmackDown really did have, I, I guessed, and I think, and I was proven right, SmackDown really did have an MO during the draft where, like, we want guys who will look normal standing next to football players. Oh, like, ab was, absolutely. That was a big deal for them. First, and let's hope they never drop his first name and just becomes Lee. <laughs> that would not work. Lee. Um, just Keith. We're just going to call him Keith from now on. Um, so, yeah, I think Keith Lee's going to win. Dakota Kai versus Tegan Knox in a street fight. That could kind of go either way, but it feels like... Uh, it feels like whoever wins... I mean, I guess you can always have both people come out on top. That's the way that pro wrestling... One thing you can do in pro wrestling, you know, somebody can lose and still look good and defeat. Yeah, and, yeah. and, you know, Dakota Kai could lose and just get her licks in after the match or whatever. I feel like Dakota Kai, heel Dakota Kai, has got a huge upside right now. I just now think Cobra NXT. Kai whenever you say it's Dakota true. Kai. It's true. But Tegan Knox, you know, they, they've loved her for so long and with good reason. So I, that could go either way. Um, Adam Cole versus uh, Ciampa for the NXT Championship. I mean, Do you think Cole's going to it? All day, every day, give me that match. I know. I I mean, I've read the stories of like, you know, what Triple H has said of Ciampa will stay in NXT because he can't, you know, work. It's it's an easier schedule for him because he has mm -hmm. a limited amount of bumps left. But like, I just think there's so much money to be made with Ciampa on the main roster. You do, I I do. I think he's so good. I mean, he's great. I think he looks great. He looks great. He looks like a Game of Thrones. Like he walked off the set of Game of Thrones. Hell yeah! And figure out a way to have him work a limited schedule, but on the main roster because there are things he could do that I I just think it would be. So much fun. I don't think I would have agreed with you like a year ago, but I could not agree more. I mean, I think he could, he, this guy, he could do absolutely anything. He can talk. He looks great. He can work. And there's nobody who, if you Google like Tommaso Ciampa Young, Google image search, there's nobody who has made more of a transition without oh like, he, he like looked totally like Tony gassing Nese. up. 
He looked like skinny Tony Nese. He looked, he looked like, like skinny he, Tony Nese, and then all of a sudden he like transformed himself, and he he literally he literally looks like a a a, a night uh, a uh, what's it called Walker, a, a White, White Walker. Walker. Yeah, he's fantastic. Um, I think Cole's gonna win. I just because I don't think we're quite there on the Champa. I, I think till Mania, I think Cole's gonna have that title. Yeah, it's weird to put Champa in this. I guess if the to put him in this position of not getting Goldie back, but. If it, if this is chapter one of this story, yeah. then it, then it's got to be. A, I mean, you know, as soon as he gets, as soon as he beats Adam Cole, I don't know what the fuck you do with Adam Cole. And yeah. Adam Cole is going to be at the top of the card for WrestleMania season and everything. So well, it's, I think, yeah, everything has. You have, I think maybe he gets Goldie back Mania weekend, and Cole is that big name that that shows up, you know, Monday after WrestleMania. Maybe so, but I just worry about what happens to Cole on the on the main roster. Yeah, I do too. I think you got to be worried about anybody, but but uh, I mean, but, but Cole's size. Yeah, it's a big, it's a big thing, small I, thing. Yeah, it's a big small thing. Uh, his, I worry. His dudes, the undisputed era, are taking on uh, the Broserweights, Matt Riddle and Pete Dunne, which are, that has the potential to be a, a lot match, of times. A huge match. The pun merge na- nickname uh-huh. tag team name doesn't work. This is one of my favorites. Oh, it's really like Jericho to me did not work. Broserweights works. Yes, love it. Uh yeah, Jericho Shout was out not to good. whoever came up with that. Um but uh yeah, it's it's so good. And those guys are fun to watch together. They were really good and the Dusty Classic. This will be Hell No also didn't like that name. They just had a thing this week about how they it came out that they were that that, that Daniel Bryan and Kane were both pushing for team friendship to be the name of the team. Oh, that's funny. And they could, uh, they could uh have a thing with best friends on AEW. I know. I know. Um so Undisputed Era versus the Broserweights. I feel like Undisputed Era doesn't lose, but maybe. I mean, I don't know what else. Unless you have other plans for Matt Riddle in WrestleMania season. Maybe this is the look. Maybe, maybe you put them over. It just seems like when you have a team with all these belts, I mean, a, a faction with all these belts, taking, a, taking the first belt off is a huge decision, but I guess they already did that with, with, uh, with Keith Lee. With Keith Lee, so maybe maybe this is the beginning of the end. And then the the last big match is Finn Balor versus Johnny Gargano, which is potentially just a huge yeah. match. Too. I mean, with NXT work style, mm-hmm. it's going to be great because they're going to be allowed to have the the match that they're they're capable of having. I don't care who wins. Now I'm really excited. Yeah, I, that the bottom of that card is great. Everything about this card is great. Uh, I think um, there's enough steam behind the. Broserweights, like they've gotten over to in a way that I haven't seen very often, and I think it could be one of those things where that wasn't the plan, but it might become the plan. Yeah, because they are get they're getting over, and people are into them so much, and they have a little bit of that like team hell no, like are we friends or I mean like like odd couple sort of yeah chemistry. Yeah, man. Um, we got to get out of here. Yeah. I'm excited about this show. Thank you so much for doing this. I'm Dude, glad to have you back. Thank you. Um, if I was going to come back, it was going to be on your show. So I, I appreciate it. Do you have, do you have, do you want to cut a heel promo on, uh, anybody from the podcast side of WWE? No. Is there anybody? I'm just kidding. God, no. I just want to uh, put you in a really awkward situation. No, it's all good. It's all good. Um, you know, I, I had a blast. I I don't have a bad word to say about, uh, the experience. And um, but it is good to to be able to go and do other things and and not be muted on Twitter uh, uh, about wrestling. And there's it's certainly an exciting time. And um, I'm excited to be on the road back to WrestleMania. Like you said, it's you know, I could do without the Saudi show. But otherwise, this is the most fun time of year to be a wrestling fan. I'm not even mad at the Saudi show because it's in Saudi Arabia. We can we can worry about that later. But it's just like there's too much stuff going on. Yeah, too much wrestling. That's the uh, that's the tagline of this podcast. Too much. Join us back here next week on Too Much Wrestling. <laughs> um, thank you, Shu. I appreciate it. Thank you, and thank you guys for listening. Apologies, as always, to Johnny Moxley. We'll see you back here next week. Finally. We are desperately out of time. The tape machines are rolling. We'll see you next week on the Mass Man Show. 